Who in here has un, an unfinished project that you currently need to be working on? Anybody have one of those? So, some people are looking at your spouses, huh? That's interesting. Who in here has a spouse that's annoyed that you haven't finished your project yet? <laughs> Thank you, Billy. That was two hands up. <laughs> uh, who in here has ever had this? You had a project that you said you're going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. And maybe even Saturday. It's going to get started this day. I'm going to have it completed by this time. Anybody ever like set that up? And then a couple weeks go by and then you see your spouse start that project for you. Anybody ever had that happen? That's terrifying, isn't it? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to start that, right? I was just about to do that. Today, we're going to talk about a person who didn't finish what he committed to. A hard conversation had to be had, and we can learn so much from this. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 15, I'm going to start reading in verse 36. And uh, I need to go ahead. Jude, are you up there? No. Nope, Stephen. I need to go ahead and apologize, Stephen. I just realized this. I thought about this. I never sent, my, sent you my support passages, so you're not going to have them. So just, just know that. Um, <laughs> we, we, yeah, I'm, today's been one of those days. Um, so I'm going, to read, I'm going to read the first part of verse 36 first. So Acts 15, starting in verse 36, the first half of it. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit. Okay, so he says, after some days. Uh, the Holy Spirit, who inspired the word of God, including the book of Acts, is not very specific in terms of times when we're reading Acts, right? There's, there's, he's usually very vague. It doesn't have specific, like this many days passed, this many uh, hours passed, this many uh, weeks passed. It's, it's typically vague. Um, and I think it's, he does that for a reason. It's because the timing is not the most important thing, right? That's not what we need to prioritize and, and focus on. We could make so many issues out of that, right? We could say, oh, well, we need to make sure that there's this many days between this and this and this. Uh, and we struggle enough with majoring on the minors on our own, don't we? Anybody ever struggle with that? Uh, me too. So after, after some time, after some time passes, let, Paul says we need to return. All right, that word means specifically to return to a point or area where one has been before with probable, probable emphasis on turning around. Does anybody else ever get stuck in the trap of letting the next thing coming up dominate your headspace. Anybody ever get stuck in that trap? You have something that's coming up and it just dominates your mind. You can't think of anything else. Everything else kind of disappears. Anybody ever forget important things because you're thinking about the next thing coming up? I've never done that. Like sending my support passages to my friend. <clears throat> we all have people that we need to return to, don't we? Anybody, anybody thinking of anybody, anybody right now? Like, yep, me, that but we're constantly forgetting or being hindered from doing that. Why? Because that requires us to actually turn away from the people and things that are currently occupying our time. This doesn't mean that the people that are in front of us or right there with us are not important. It does not mean that. But people need recurring contact to feel connected to you. Do you know that? They need recurring contact to feel connected to you. Is there anyone that comes to mind right now that you're saying, man, that hit me, that, that, that spoke to me. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, as I studied this, I thought of uh, probably a hundred people that I was like, I, I've got a lot of work to do to return to people. 
But is there anybody right now that you're thinking, you're sitting here right now like, man, there's somebody I need to return to. There's somebody that, that I haven't caught up with in a long time, that it hasn't been convenient or there hasn't been uh, time or I've been too busy focusing or in with other people. I've, I've had too many other things. And there's somebody that I need to return to to check in on. I wanna say this, stop right now. Don't even listen to me. Some of you already started that process. That's fine. Stop listening, write their name down. Take a note right now or do this. Get your phone out this very moment and send a quick text and say, hey, I'm thinking about you and I would love to catch up because there are people that we need to return to sometimes because they need to feel connected to us uh, if there's been a period of absence. And Paul says, all right, I want us to return to the people and I want to return and visit. We'll, We'll talk about who he's visiting in a minute, but return and visit. Visit means to go to see a person on the basis of friendship and with helpful intent. Man, knowing that definition, somebody coming to be a friend and to help out. Who in here needs somebody to visit them? Nobody? Oh man, you can all visit me. I need a friend who can help. All of you are, since none of you need it, I, I'm, I'm the one. I, I, I call dibs. Can you think of anybody that you need to visit? Somebody who needs you to show up and be a friend? Somebody who needs you to show up being a friend saying, hey, how can I help? This is when you go to someone and affirm your love for them and then submit yourself to helping how they need. Could anybody else improve in that area? Okay, wait, I'll do, I'll do Billy. I'll put two hands up. I could improve vastly here. I can't overstate how much I need to grow in this area. But Paul had this thought and he says, hey, we've been doing lots of work, moving forward, doing lots of things. Let's turn around and go backwards a little bit and reaffirm some of these relationships. Let's go back and be helpful friends to people who may haven't seen us in a little while. All right, let's read the rest of that verse. Let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So he calls them, first of all, he says, we're gonna go back and see the brothers. This is the church. It's a familial relationship. We're called to be a family of families, right? Some of you are sitting with your family right now. Some of you purposely didn't. Sometimes that's that is what it is, but we're called to be, so some of you came in here with your families and that's, that's good. We're called to be extended family, right? To be family together, a family of families because God made us that way. We see this in Galatians chapter four, starting in verse four and reading through verse seven. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. So let's, let's pause for a second and talk about this. We're all called sons here. Who in here is a son? Who in here is not a son? Okay, is that confusing that we're all sons? You wanna know why that's important? Because of the time that, this, that Galatians was written. Do you know who received inheritance at this time? Only sons. Daughters did not receive an inheritance. So guess what this means? 
all of us, men and women, boys and girls, are called sons because he's elevating every single human to the position of being somebody who's going to rise into his, to an inheritance in Christ. He's giving equal value and inheritance to men and women. That didn't happen before. God's affirming inside of women, you are now going to receive the inheritance of Christ as a legitimate child of mine. So yes, you're a daughter, but you're getting the benefits of being this, er, this, this era's son. That is incredible, isn't it? So God has made us a family. So Paul's writing and saying, hey, Barnabas, he's talking to me. He said, I want us to return, to go back to you. I want us to turn around. Let's go back. Let's go with and be friends with and help out our family that exists in these other places. In fact, we're going to go do this in every city. Paul wants to return and visit the church in every city that he and Barnabas had ever been to. He wants to, he was intentionally caring about the people who were no longer a part of his daily life. Paul didn't only care about the local church he was sent from and primarily a part of. He cared about Christ's church everywhere. Clean Ridge. This year, we have to intentionally care about Christ's local churches across our community, across our country, and around the world. Because God's called us to care about each and every other church. We need to be intentional about praying for God to bless them, for God to use them to reach others, for God to do incredible things there. We must keep them in our prayers. In fact, maybe there's churches you've been at before that you've left and, and, and come here to. Maybe it's another city, another state. Maybe it's even here. Will you commit yourself and say, I need to spend time turning around, even if it's just in my prayers and saying, Jesus Christ, do something great in that church. Maybe you even know some specific prayers you should be praying for those churches. So go, let's go back. Let's return and visit all of our brothers across every city where we proclaimed the word. This is what preaching is. It's boldly repeating the message of a king. The word proclaim is the world. It means heralding. And that's what a herald did, right? You would get a message from the king and you would go across the, the, the village or the town or the city and you'd say, hey, here's what the king said. That's preaching. That is all that carries the complete truth and authority is saying the message the king sent. But we love to pretend that we have our own authority, don't we? You better listen to me. I've been doing this a long time. Anybody ever heard that? Oh man, that got, that hurt some feelings. I'm sorry. I'll tell you a story about Wren, my sweet little daughter. She thinks she has authority. She'll walk us up to us sometimes and she'll say, I'm an officer with a P. I'm an officer. Hmm. Go to jail. And she says it with all authority, right? You should go to jail and jail is wherever she picks it. And she, she, she'll keep you in there for a long time. And she guards the jail. She thinks she has authority to send me, Ashley, any of the boys, all of us. She can send us to jail. But what's funny is that is us when we stand on anything other than the word of God. We are just like a child saying, I'm an officer, go to jail. Unless we can point to the word and say, look what God said. 
So let's go back, let's return, let's visit, let's be friends and be helpful to these other churches in every city we've been to where we proclaim the word of God and see how they are. Paul wants to go and ask the people of these churches, how are you? That's a very standard greeting in America, isn't it? And there are appropriate responses. Good, fine, great. If I was any better, I'd be a, I don't know what, right? But those aren't usually real answers, are they? Paul wants to go and ask these, these people at these churches, how are you guys really doing? What's hard right now? What's good right now? How can I help? Did you know that the word never says you'll be happy all the time if you're living correctly? Paul wants to check on the churches because he knows that some of them are struggling and he doesn't condemn them for struggling. We've got to stop condemning people for struggling because all that promotes is for people to come and fake it, to live a game and eventually leave because this is never going to work if they're faking it. Are you struggling today? I want you to know something. You're not alone. We sang a song about this. First of all, we have Christ Jesus walking through us every step of the way, even in the struggle that you're walking through. But you're also not alone because we're here to struggle together. I don't want you to come here and play a game. I can't make you stop. But I want you to, I want to invite every person in this room to know you can come here hurting and just be hurting. And that's okay. You can come to the front because this is a powerful place where people can pray with you and say, I'm hurting right now. I don't even, you don't have to be specific where you can be, but you can just say, I'm struggling and I just need prayer. I'm hurting. I just need prayer. And we can pray together. The second thing I want you to know if you're struggling, you are not the worst person on earth. It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? when you've done the wrong thing, when you feel like you're struggling because of your own choices, you are not the worst person. And you're not somebody that Christ has said, now I can't love you anymore. He deeply, dearly loves you. Third thing I wanna just go ahead and let you know, and I've said this before, but I feel like I need to say this more often. Church, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I, I've, I've gone through a, a difficult season. And I want you to understand that the reason I'm saying that is not because I feel like I have to tell everybody every detail of what that struggle is, but because you need to understand there's no difference between me and you. This stage does not separate humanity. And I need to be able to tell my church when I'm struggling because I need you to be able to pray for me, to understand, hey, Colin's, Colin's struggling. He's going through a hard time. I need to lift him up because it's hard for him right now. And I need that. Second thing I wanna say is, do you know someone else who is struggling today? Do you know somebody that you're like, hey, I, I know they're struggling. I know they're going through a hard time. I'm, I'm aware of it. I can sense it. I can see it in the way that they've changed. I can see it because they're trying to play the game, but in their eyes, I know that smile wasn't real. Have you checked on them? Have you gone beyond the how are you and they, get, they say great and you say, okay, good. And you walked away. 
Have you stopped and said, how are you really? Is there anything I can do to help? I might not be able to fix it. In fact, typically when people are struggling, we can't fix things, right? You know what we can do? Weep with people who are weeping. We can sit with them in their pain and be a presence for them. Is there someone that you need to stop right now? And again, I'm inviting you. This might be awkward because normally people tell you to put your phones away when you're at stuff like this. I want to invite you again. Get your phone out right now. If there's someone right now that you're like, man, I know they're struggling and I haven't sent that text. I haven't checked on them. I, I've just kind of left them be because I didn't know what to say. Stop now. Take your phone out and send a text and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. Or I just now started thinking about you and I want you to know I'm, I'm here. How are you really? If you don't feel like you can send that text right now, write their name down. Because we're extremely overconfident in our memories, aren't we? Anybody ever said you're going to pray for somebody and then seconds later forgot? Anybody ever said, I'm going to check on that bomb. I'm going to check on them this week. And then months later, you realize that never happened. Stop right now and do something about it. All right, let's read starting in verse 37. I think just the first part of it. No, this is all verse 37. And now Barnabas wanted to take, uh, take with them John called Mark. All right, that word wanted. So this is a shift in this passage. Paul's setting this beautiful thing up. That, that first verse is just incredible. Let's return, let's visit, let's help, let's encourage, let's be intentional, let's ask how they are. All these great things. And then we get to a sharp disagreement. We'll talk about it. Wanted, that means to desire to have or experience something with the implication of some reasoned planning or will to accomplish the goal. So Barnabas wanted this. Do you want what God wants? That's a hard question to ask, isn't it? Anybody want things that you know God doesn't want? I do, I do, absolutely. How can you know if you want what God wants for you? First of all, study the word. You can see God's desires and God's will laid out inside of the word, study through it. Second of all, spend time in prayer. Third, talk with godly counsel. But you have Barnabas here and he's saying, hey, I wanna take John Mark with me. He's my buddy. I want to take him with us when we go to back to all the churches we've been to and let's go encourage them. Let's do this. Let's go. Barnabas wanted to include John Mark probably because he was his friend. Has anybody in here ever been clouded, uh, ever had their judgment clouded because your relationship with someone was very close? Man, I'm alone in a lot of these questions. I'm sorry. I thought they were applicable. <laughs> Has anybody ever avoided a hard conversation to protect someone else's feelings? Big hand up. Anybody think that's true love? It's not. We're going to see in just a minute that Barnabas wanting to take John Mark might not have been the wisest thing. So let's keep reading. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Thought best, this means to make a choice on the basis of something being better or superior. While the word is explicit in some areas, there are many areas where we have to use the wisdom that God gives us to make decisions. 
Am I going to be on social media? Who in here knows that social media can do good things? You can use it to encourage. You can use it to um, share the gospel. You can use it to check on people. You can do great things. Who in here knows that social media can be dangerous? Okay. So you have to make decisions there. What am I going to do? What, the, what is the presence of social media going to be in my life? What am I going to let myself be entertained by? Who knows that there are great television shows? We can name them, right? Who in here knows that there are some that are terrible television shows? Decisions, wisdom. The Bible doesn't explicitly say, this television show is going to come out in 2000 years. You shouldn't watch it. That's an act of wisdom on your part. We have choices every day. How am I going to use my time? I need wisdom to do that well. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. If you don't feel like you have the wisdom you need for the circumstances you're in, ask for it because God wants to give you that wisdom. But here's the thing. One thing you can weigh wisdom against, it should always align with the word. So godly wisdom is always going to align with his word. If you think, oh, I'm going to pray for this. And I think I've got the wisdom. God wants me to watch this show or he says it's fine for me. But then you, you read in the word that everything about that show is nothing that is honoring towards him. Maybe you haven't figured it out. Or no, no, God says it's okay for me to be on social media and to use it in this platform. But I constantly gossip there. I don't think that God wants you on there, right? Because that doesn't align with his word. So again, godly wisdom is going to align with his word. So Paul takes time to use godly wisdom and he says, I don't think this is best to take John Mark because he has withdrawn from us. So withdrawn, let's talk about what that word is. The Greek word is apostanta, okay? It's a very strong word actually. Withdrawn, I think was not the best word to translate it to. It means to abandon a former relationship. Paul says that John Mark abandoned he and Barnabas on the field. This happened in Acts 13, 13. Now Paul and his companions now set sail from Paphos and came to, uh, to Perga and Pamphylia and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So the mission continued, but John Mark said, nah, I'm going back home. Who in here has ever been abandoned? Anybody ever felt abandoned? We'll make a funny joke there because I know that's going to be heavy for, for some of. Who in here has ever been in a room? Who in here has ever had a messy house? Let's just ask that. Anybody ever messy house? Anybody? Yeah. Who in here likes to clean your house like to the best that you can? And then when somebody walks in, you're like, I'm sorry, it's so dirty. I hate that. Like, stop. Okay. Picture this, you're sitting in your living room. You have four kids that create tornadoes everywhere they go. That, maybe that's just me. Um, the living room's a total complete mess, right? And everybody's in there together. And so you're like, all right, it's time to clean up. So you get up and you start cleaning because you're thinking, hey, if they see me starting picking stuff up, they're all gonna pitch in, right? Suddenly you look up from the, what you're doing and you realize you're now the only person in that room. Well, actually that's, that's never happened to me, but that has happened to Ashley. Um, has anybody ever made a difficult decision? On the front end, you had a lot of support. People saying, hey, do this, this is the right call. That's right, that's good. 
but then afterward you felt totally alone in the consequences of that decision? Abandonment in ministry happens all the time. And it is very, very painful because it puts too much on too few. He says, I disagree with bringing John Mark because he abandoned us in the work of the ministry. The work, we need to talk about that word. This is effort placed towards accomplishing something good. Most people who have never worked in ministry do not understand the difficulty of it. There is always more to do than you have time for. The mission is greater than any one person can accomplish. And also you deal with people. Has anybody ever met people? People. John Mark abandoned Paul and Barnabas to do the work by themselves. And so Paul said, look, we were on a mission. God called us. God provided the funds to make this happen. He was part of that. He, he, he was uh, receiving in that end. And then halfway through, he just said, nah, I'm done. I'm tired. I want to go back home. I, I'm going to leave you guys to do all the work. Paul said, I don't think we bring him with us this time. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Now, wait a minute. That never happens in church, right? There are never disagreements. We all get along about everything. All of us want the same stuff. Sharp disagreement. That is a severe argument based on intense difference of opinion. So this turned into a real argument. Barnabas wanted to show grace and that sounds godly. Paul wanted to set boundaries, which sounds harsh, but boundaries are not ungodly. There are some things that are worth fighting for, even if it causes tension. Who thinks that it, there's tension caused by, by uh, Barnabas and Paul having an argument? Anybody think there are people that are like nervous and like awkward and like, oh, what do we do? But there are things worth fighting for. Are we willing to stand our ground on issues that are worth fighting for? Even if it will make things uncomfortable. You also need to understand the other side of this. There are some things that are not worth fighting for. So the question there is, are we willing to live in unity even if we don't get our way? Even if it's something that feels important to us. If it's not worth fighting for, can I still choose to live in unity? So they had this sharp disagreement. They had a big argument over this. They didn't find resolution in it and it caused them to be separated. And that word means separated more or less indefinitely. This argument caused Paul and Barnabas to leave their, uh, leave their journey together. And in both their minds, it could have been permanent. How do you feel about this argument? So I don't know if you've read this before. I've read it many times, but honestly, it's always made me feel very uncomfortable. Who in here avoids conflict at all costs? Who are our people, please? Who are the ones that are like, oh man, I hate that. Are you anxious right now? 
I, I get anxious when I study this one. Cause I'm like, man, that, how awkward, right? Like Paul saying, John Mark coming, or Barnabas coming here saying, hey, I wanna bring my buddy John Mark because you know, he, he went with us before, I, I like him, we're friends. And Paul saying, no, he abandoned us. We're not taking him. And then they fought over it. Some of you in here are like, man, I wish I would have stayed home today. I'm, I'm so uncomfortable. Some may feel like Paul was acting extreme, but there are times to set someone aside for a while in ministry. A complete lack of doing the work would be one of those because God's mission is infinitely more important than my feelings. Let's keep reading. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose to stay, or Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So Barnabas chooses to show mercy. I want to say this first of all, I'm so thankful, so infinitely thankful for the amount of times I've been shown mercy. Anybody been shown mercy? Anybody, anybody ever got away with not, didn't have to pay the consequences for things you've done? Are you not thankful for the times that's happened? I'm so thankful for mercy. But mercy is not always helpful. In fact, sometimes if you continue in something for a long time and you keep getting shown mercy, what do you do? You get stuck in that sin. What it looks like inside of this passage is that Barnabas seems to have feared man more than God. We see this in Galatians 1.10 for, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, there's a tension between what people want and what God wants. And every person has to make a decision at some point and say, who am I going to choose to please? Am I going to choose to please God or am I going to choose to please others? because most of the time you're not gonna be able to do both. So Paul chose Silas. They go on and do some amazing missions. God uses them in amazing ways. We're gonna get to read about Paul and Silas and some incredible, miraculous, awesome stuff. It says that they were commended by the brothers. This means to hand over or to convey something to someone, particularly a right or an authority. They're saying, hey, Paul and Silas, we're giving, we're sending you out with the authority to go out and preach the gospel, to go and encourage these churches, go and help, help them be a part of the restoration there, be a part of you know, being a friend of these people. Continue this mission. So what we see at the end of the story is you have Barnabas and Mark, John Mark who left. And you get to see Paul and Silas get sent because you have to pick which one you leave or you can be sent, but usually, but never both. You guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I have a few questions for you. The first one is this. Do you have anyone that you need to return and visit? In just a minute, when we just, when I stop talking, will you take time right now and pray for that person? And then will you reach out to them this week? Second thing, do you have any, are there any difficult conversations that you need to have 
that you've been avoiding? Will you pray for wisdom and how to have that conversation? Will you pray for courage to begin it? And my last question is this, whose will are you desperately chasing after? God's or your own? And do you need to spend time in confession and repentance over it? Christ, I pray that you would just do amazing work inside of our hearts right now. This is an uncomfortable story about conflict and about boundaries and about hard conversations. Lord, will you help us to be a people that are willing to have a hard conversation if it's about, if it's an issue of truth or an issue of right and wrong. I pray for wisdom in the conversations that are going to happen because your word does not return void. I know you're working in people's hearts right now for those conversations. Lord, you've called us to be a people who return and visit, who check in on people to see how they are, truly how they are, to love those who are struggling, to sit and weep with them. Help us to do that, Christ. And Lord, you've also called us to be a people who fear you more than man, who seek to please you even at the expense of pleasing others, who desperately chase after what your will is, even or especially at the expense of our own will. Christ Jesus, help us to be that people. In your name I pray, amen. Please stand and respond however God leads you.